all in the game, at least when it comes to supply chain management. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Games and simulations have been a big part of corporate planning for a long time. They can be an effective means for managers to envision various business outcomes and understand how they would respond to them. Today, they're more popular than ever, obviously, given the huge role that games play in so many aspects of our lives, for better or for worse. So we shouldn't be surprised to learn that there's a new game that's intended to help today's executives understand the complex factors that affect the balance between supply and demand. It's called SCI Impact, and it was developed by Sterling Simulation in cooperation with Laura Sassiri of Supply Chain Insights. My guest today is Paul Rohrbach, president of Sterling Simulation, who will explain how the game is played and the value that it might have in improving business processes. We'll find out how a game can mirror the real world or differ from it, and what it can teach us about dealing with uncertainties in global supply chains. So let the game begin. Here is my conversation with Paul Rohrbach. Paul Rohrbach, welcome to the program. Thank you. What can you tell me about the history of the use of simulation games in business generally and supply chain specifically? It's actually a very complicated question because simulation games are just a small portion of what's called serious games. And serious, a serious game is any sort of a synthetic exercise that is used as a learning or instructional tool. And a lot of times, the serious games don't necessarily feature something as robust as a simulation behind them. And they are a very repetitive, very closed-form system, and you can very easily learn what the correct decisions are, and at that point, it ceases to become an instructional tool. They don't. You, you don't believe that they accurately portray the world as real enough to be of value? No, it's not so much that. It's just, a, it's just that if in some certain types of serious games, it only teaches a very specific objective. And once you've learned that objective, the game no longer can teach you something because you already know the correct decisions to make. And it ends up being an oversimplification of the real situation. And all serious games suffer from this to some extent, but by putting in a simulation component where the choices that someone makes allows a behind-the-scenes part to have interactions and emergent behaviors, you create a game that's a little more flexible, and there's not a, you know, a set of magic numbers that will always let you win. How far back does the notion of serious games and the use of simulation games in the business world go? I have a feeling it's not especially a new concept. I don't know the origins of it, but it's been 
in in use in some capacity for at least thirty or forty years. It could it could predate that, but that's not really my area of expertise, the uh, history side. Now, in the world of supply chain, uh, the most famous one that everybody talks about is the so-called beer game, yes. which I understand was developed at MIT. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, the beer game is something that is very specifically designed to demonstrate inventory policies, bullwhip effect, value of information. It doesn't really address running an entire supply chain where you're dealing with trade-off decisions, multiple routes, different suppliers, production schedules. It's, it's a, again, it's a very specific type of game. And for those type of questions, it, it's still a very useful tool, especially in academia. The problem is in industry, we've developed very good planning tools that can kind of make those lessons, I don't want to say redundant, but other than learning the best practices, that type of a game is not going to teach a serious supply chain professional who has access to some of the advanced tools out there, a lot of insightful things about how to run their business. Do you think that machine learning, expert systems, and even perhaps artificial intelligence have developed to the point where it's taken over some of the things that were involved in the beer game? Uh, to a certain extent, but even just some of the MRP and ERP systems that are out there can do a very good job, if you have access to good data, can do a good job of addressing some of those concerns with inventory management, bullwhip effect, those sort of things. Do you classify the beer game as one of those serious games that you described? Oh, absolutely. Uh, beer game is one of the most well-known examples of that. All right. So let's talk about your effort. What was the glimmer that occurred to you that it might be time for something new and different? Well, uh, the origins of that were a presentation given by Laura Cesare a little over a year ago where I saw her give a presentation on her metrics and talking about the value of channel data and similar things. And at that point in time, I had already been thinking about how to develop a serious game using simulation, but I didn't really have a specific direction I wanted to go with it. It was just a general concept. And when I saw her presentation and saw her attitude as an individual, I said, you have the knowledge and you have the skills for a strong, successful partnership. So we started talking about this and working with her, we came up with this idea for the impact game. That's what it's called? The impact game? SCI Impact is the official name of the game. All right. So describe it to me, please. So this is a game that, while it does allow you to explore some of these same inventory management type of decisions like you would get in a beer game, it really goes to a much broader scope and allows you to address strategic business concerns. So what it does is it has a simulation running in the background of an entire supply chain. 
So you have consumers who are buying goods. They interact with stores. The stores place orders to distribution centers. They place orders to warehouses. They place orders to a factory. And the, the factory places raw material orders to their suppliers. So all of these components are running and interacting with each other, and you'll have the type of real-world situations occur. You'll have delays in transportation. You'll have shortages in supply. And all of these situations run and drive the fidelity that allows the strategic decisions you make on the system to have impact. Is it a generic supply chain, or is there a particular product that you're defining? The way the model is written, all of the parameters are stored in databases and can be adjusted. So while it is generic in design, we have the capability to load in parameters and operational requirements and restrictions for specific industries. So you've built the supply chain basically as part of a, an application or a computer program that, as you say, is kind of running in the background, right? Yes. Now, how many people are playing, and what is the role of the human being? How do they go about actually playing this game? So the way that this works is there are going to be two teams. Back to the difference between this and some of the other games, one of the big ones is that this is team-based. A lot of your other games, you simply play and you get results. You know, this one here has a competitive element. So you have two teams of five people. And each one of these teams will be allowed to make all of the decisions that you would be when you are running a company. Do you want to write off inventory? Do you want to change your production plans? Do you want to go with a more expensive supplier of raw materials who has shorter lead time? You can make all of these decisions, and the game provides you suggestions, insight into what you should do, but you as a supply chain manager ultimately have to make these decisions. So you are the catalyst. The human person playing is the catalyst for what's going on. In other words, the game itself or the supply chain running in the background isn't throwing you curves and asking you to respond. You are kind of uh, you know, triggering the whole thing. Absolutely. And that right there is actually one of the key differences between this game's and many other ones, is a lot of games hand you a supply chain that is in a state of disrepair. It has some sort of problem with it, whereas this, you are handed a company that is running properly, it has no serious problems, and all you have to do is keep it running properly. And while it sounds simple, when you start looking at some of the reports that come out and forecast uncertainty, and you start making decisions on suppliers, you can end up making decisions that are very detrimental to your supply chain. So the decisions you're being asked to make, uh, it's inventory policy, it's forecasting, it's demand planning, it's ordering upstream, it's selling downstream. What exactly are the, are the aspects of this that are part so, of the game? Right now, the biggest levers that we have to pull as a player of the game are your inventory policy and your raw materials ordering. The way the model is written, it does have the capability of addressing any of those factors because they are considered as part of the simulation, but a lot of them we just read from default values 
and don't let the user change for simplicity. We don't want to overwhelm them with decisions to make. So a perfect example would be right now the way the model is set up, it is considering a consumer packaged good product that contains resin, contains dye, contains corrugate, contains some of these other raw materials. And you can choose to have a supplier that is more expensive but has less lead time or a lower cost supplier that can take you longer to get. And you can make the decision as a manager, how do you want to split your raw materials versus your production plan? And if there is a, disrupt a disruption in the supply chain, that'll have varying consequences in how everything operates. Can you determine the number of suppliers of a, of a given raw material? Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. the system is arbitrarily limited right now. We typically only have three or four different alternatives. Again, to make this somewhat simple, this is supposed to be an educational experience, but you have your different suppliers with your different lead times. You can even put in different ingredient quality if you want to, that sort of a thing. So then you have this, and then you layer on top of that a production plan as well as a sales forecast. So you will be given expected forecast for sales, and you have to decide how do you want to position your finished goods inventory policy, how do you want to position your raw materials ordering, how do you want to position your production to have the most overall revenue, the least amount of missed sales, those sort of things. I take it it's a given that this forecast is one reliable number. You're not getting into the jungle of fighting for coming up with a with a one-number sales forecast involving a lot of different aspects of the organization, right? There definitely is forecast uncertainty. That's another aspect of this. Throughout the entire run of the game, you will be given notices, which are virtual messages that come from other people who would be inside this virtual company. So you might get a notice that says chief of sales expects a 25% increase in demand next quarter that's not showing up in the forecast because of market factors. And now you have to make a decision to go with that decision or not at the risk of overproducing or at the risk of not, meet, not meeting sales. Are these two teams doing the same thing? Are they, are they separately approaching the same problem, or are they working in so competition the, with one another? What, 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 how are they, how's that so configured? The, so the big difference between the two teams, one of them has access to channel data, and one of them does not. So one of the teams is given an advantage by having this extra information. The other team does not have access to that, and they do not know which team they are. So that is one of the big factors there is you can see how channel data affects this. And one of the very interesting things is most of the time when people play this, the people with access to channel data do better. But since you're running a company, if you make really poor decisions, no amount of information is going to offset that. And sometimes the team that theoretically has the upper hand ends up being the losing team. And, and what is the channel data? Is it point-of-sale information or something else? When you have that channel data, you don't get to the point-of-sale level. You simply get to the retail supplier level. So rather than seeing your demand by DC, you would see it all the way out to your individual retailer companies, but it's not broken down to point-of-sale at this point. 
Okay, so it's a competition, but one one group has information the other one doesn't, so that doesn't sound very fair in terms of determining who wins, right? Well, again, the thought process here, you know, when we discussed this with Laura and her, vi- and her vision, it's not necessarily about one team winning and the other team losing, one doing a better job versus the other. There is an element of trying to show how this information can impact your decision-making process. And that is one of the many objectives of the game. You know, right now at this part, it is still very much early in the developmental phases. The game has been an idea for right around a year at this point and has only been a playable product for about six months. So it's still very early in the refining phases. And adjusting the impact of these different components tailoring it to different markets and different needs is something that we're actively working on and looking for feedback for from people who we can get to play the game and use the game. In its current form, how does one determine whether one has succeeded or failed? Are you given a notice at the end that says you have stock outs or you have too much inventory and you've got to now involve, be engaged in markdowns? Or what kind of feedback are you given at the end? The game is currently played in 10 rounds that represent one business quarter for each round. And at the end of each round, as well as at the end of the game, you see a variety of performance metrics on your company. Currently, we are using market capitalization as the metric to, sh- to determine who wins. So you play the game, and when all of these things are considered, raw materials purchases, stockouts, expedited shipping costs, how do they affect all of the parameters of your business leading into your one number of market capitalization? Again, it's all based on this simulation of a supply chain. So if you were an organization that cared about a different metric and you wanted to look at inventory turns or cash on hand or something else, those metrics can be pulled out of the simulation. But Market capitalization is what we're using right now as our big number one metric. Even though it's market capitalization minus the factors that might affect it in the real world, such as stock price and and investor actions and, and stuff like that. Right. Again, I can't go into all of the proprietary nature of how we derived these equations, but there is a set of algorithms within the simulation that determine what the market capitalization would be based upon all of the performance of the different sections of the company, and that equation is the same for each team. So you make decisions, it impacts the way the company does, this drives your market capitalization number, and then you have that as your point of comparison. How long does it take to play? It really depends on how serious the teams playing it get with their discussion and their exploration of different thought processes, a reasonable period of time to play the game is about three hours. However, if you have people who get really into it and they, several of the times we've played it, people are getting out their work laptops and they're sitting there starting typing up spreadsheets in Excel and doing pivot charts and things like that. And if you get teams like that, it can end up taking a little longer. 
Where do you see this game as being played in a university environment or within a corporate environment or, or both? Both is the is the long term answer. The nice part about the way the game is built is since it is based on this simulation rather than just being based on a couple of algorithms, we have a lot of flexibility in terms of how we can customize it to a specific client need. So if a university comes to us and says, we really like this idea, but we don't want to have one team have channel data and the other team not have channel data, that's a simple adjustment of a few lines of code, and now you are playing with two teams with level playing fields. If an industry comes to us and says, we would like to have a custom version of this game that deals with these considerations in our supply chain that you don't currently have, all we have to do is adjust the individual components of that simulation, and now they have a custom version that reflects the specifics of their industry. So it really is a framework that we have developed right now that can be used in numerous different ways. What have you learned from the game in its first six months? Have you found it necessary to change it based on the experience of actually playing it? Well, uh, most of my learnings have been from a software development side. My company, Sterling Simulation, normally deals with simulation consulting. So we go into a business and build a simulation that solves a specific business problem. When I partnered with Laura, we were dealing with something that was a lot bigger in scope, open-ended, and that really had a lot of different design parameters to it. And that right there has been the biggest learning experience challenge for us. The game part has been, I don't want to say it's been easy, but the bulk of the work was in building an accurate simulation for the game to sit upon. And then once that existed, all the game really is, is varying the levers you want to pull for the parameters you care about. How might it evolve in future? Do you have any ideas about what this game might look like as it becomes more used and, and you learn more about it and you kind of encounter its, its usefulness in the real world? The biggest thing we've learned right now is the need to get more focused for the audience that is playing it. People who are high-level managers are going to want to pull different levers and see different outputs than people who are entry-level analysts or students, even if the things going on behind the scenes are exactly the same. And that's been the biggest learning is the need to develop those different things. Somebody who's in a C-level position doesn't really spend a lot of their day running calculations by hand, whereas an entry-level analyst may not necessarily be as used to making high-level strategic decisions based on feedback from reporting managers. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this game evolves over the years. But in the meantime, Paul Rohrbaugh, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us and helping us to understand this new game and a whole new era of supply chain simulation. Thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. That was my conversation with Paul Rohrbaugh of Sterling Simulation talking about a new game that can help supply chain leaders cope with the real world. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com. 
where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.